It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the program. Keep those text messages coming in. Unfortunately, we won't get to all of them. However, however, we do appreciate it. I'll tell you what, we also appreciate Spencer Casimir. You've heard him on this program beforehand, the PhD researcher, the business professor, and the host of Lead from the Side podcast, an American who is in Australian, who is a lover of rugby league, who wasn't over in Las Vegas watching rugby league. I can't believe it. He is on the line. G'day, Spencer. Uh, how's it going, Jimmy? Good to be back again. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, all right, initial thoughts. What What was your take on this wild foray into the American sports market, the American television market by the NRL? You know, it's interesting because in Australia, we do have a baseline, which we can always measure from, which is uh, from the top of the tall poppy syndrome. Um, and I think that, frankly, it exceeded all expectations. Obviously, it would have been great to see the whole stadium packed out, but north of 40,000 seats is not a bad thing. I mean, it certainly looks better than other stadiums that are uh, getting even fewer numbers in with larger populations of possibility, but I, I, I'm actually quite happy. Yeah, okay. Um, what about the games themselves? There were some concerns over Allegiant Stadium, and we'll get to the stadium itself very shortly, but what did you make of the, for want of a better term, the product of rugby league, and how might that, capture the the attention of the American viewer? I was actually extremely impressed with the quality of play, given that the concern was that the touch lines were significantly narrower than what we're accustomed to at 68 meters. I was not particularly concerned with the shorter in goal areas because we see uh, teams over in England playing with shorter in goals all the time. Mm. Uh, That was more of a non-issue to me, though a clever tactic that could have been used is a trapezoidal in-zone area if we did want to give some extra space. That is done in the Canadian Gridiron League, the CFL. Um, But I think the big concern about playing on such a narrow field is that rugby league is played laterally to a certain degree. Yes, we do run a lot of hit-ups, especially when we're in the yardage area of the field for various strategic reasons, take the, you know, hard-fought physically uh, yards and meters. But um, the concern was that we would just be running that sort of tactic ad infinitum. And, the teams didn't do that. They really did a phenomenal job of playing with the ball from touchline to touchline, actually rather frequently. I don't know the stats on this, but it felt like there was a greater frequency of open ball play laterally than we even see usually during the season. Um, partially, you can attribute that potentially to the narrower field. Um, and I was a bit surprised that so many kicks after tries were uh, missed, especially given the narrower field. Mm. But that was a huge opportunity taken to be able to really show what we can do, that we don't have to just run hit-ups. And that was one of my big concerns, uh, as you remember from when I was on the show last time, 
that if we just keep on running hit ups, people are not going to be very interested because it doesn't translate over to what people are accustomed to in the NFL. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to see that um, because really the only case study we have for such a narrow field on a regular basis is Bradford Bulls yeah. over in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and that's in championship level. Yeah. Uh, well, the score lines and certainly the number of line breaks in the Seagulls versus South Sydney game where the 60 points scored, half that number scored in the Roosters-Broncos games. But uh, some exciting moments there, no doubt about it. What about the stadium itself? Um, from what I understand, huge high winds at Las Vegas at the time of or just before kickoff. However, once you get into the stadium, you would never know about it. And now on the back of that, we're talking about New South Wales, Sydney somehow finding a stadium or maybe a core stadium, a roof for a core stadium so that we can emulate what's happened over there at Allegiant? Well, I think a roof stadium is really the way to go for most things. And it just shows that we don't have to be using uh, fake grass of any kind. We can use proper grass and have it indoors. Uh, that's been going on uh, as long as I can remember. I think the most famous uh, first early adopters were Arizona Cardinals. Um, where you can see, as you can see in the footage uh, in Las Vegas, the field sliding outside mm. to get sunlight, to get all of these other things, and then being tracked back in. Um, it is doable. It is not a new technology. It's been around for ages. It's just whether or not we want to acknowledge that it's doable and it's going to be great for the game because one of the biggest issues, you know, for me being down here at Melbourne at the moment, is we see that so many people physically show up to AFL games, for example, yep. and the weather's miserable. But if we look culturally across any country, the places that have worse weather uh, actually don't mind being outside in bad weather, and they do go to sports. And one of the theories is that is largely because there's so many few other activities to be done other than going to sport. Uh, you know, you, go, you can go to Bondi, you can go to Northern Beaches, you can do all these different things when the weather is better, and from Sydney and up. Um, so I think in the terms of Sydney having a roof and people saying, well, the weather's good enough. Well, let's take a look, not just at Las Vegas, where it was cold. It is winter in the desert there. Mm. Um, but let's look at Los Angeles. That's also a covered stadium. Nobody's going to ever tell anybody that the weather in L.A. is so bad that you need a roof. But rather, it's a greater enticement for a sociological paradigm where we just want to be comfortable because we live in comfortable. There's yeah. so many options. Let's make it better. Uh, sociological paradigm. I didn't think I'd be using that term on the program this afternoon, but there you go. Um, uh, all right, Spencer, uh, Fox Sports 1 got there eventually after a, a college basketball game went to overtime. Uh, we haven't seen numbers yet, but how, what do we make of these numbers once we do get them? Because I can guarantee you whatever is there, the NRL will go, hey, how good's that? Look how many people watched our game. Look, like I said, that, that that is probably going to be the case. I'm curious to see the numbers, but it's important to keep into context that one game a week goes to Fox Sport 2 anyway. That's just hitting the clicker or the remote control, whatever you want to call it, one digit up from FS1 to FS2. Mm. Both of them are included with their Foxtel packages, or as we would say, the cable TV package. So you're not paying anything extra. If you wanted the extra game, yeah, you'd have to pay for Fox Soccer Plus. And yes, I do hate being the plus in Fox Soccer Plus, yeah. but we need to take the FS1 data and really pick it to pieces with a fine-tooth uh, comb to best understand it. We had so much more marketing, advertising, and awareness, PR, behind these matches. So they're going to be great numbers no matter how you cut it, but how much better was it 
as a result of being on FS1? That's the question to really ask. Mm. Because again, once a week, even though they're not promoting these matches at all, if at a, you know, if we're lucky, maybe a little bit, how much more different is it from FS2 to FS1? Mm. That's my question. Because it's not like we're going to free to air yet. And which would be lovely. I'd love to see uh, rugby league on free to air in yeah. the US. But that's what I would be looking for in the data. Without being there, um, but watching from a distance, but knowing the American market as you do, how can the NRL do it better? What would you recommend as a an add-on to remembering years two, three, four, and five? You know, that is a really great question. It's hard to comment without the data. Mm. Um, again, there is clearly room for improvement to get the whole stadium sold out. I think it's really impressive, uh, again, that we did get 40,000. Um, no matter how you cut it, and uh, this gets talked about a lot, well, how many people were comped? How many people were this? And that's true of all sports. Everybody sure. always asks those questions. Yep. Um, so it's not punching down at rugby league or the NRL. It's a reasonable question, I feel. I think that 40,000 is a great number, but how can we get that stadium truly filled uh, to capacity? I'd love to see that because if we can do that for the next few years, the visual spectacular nature of having a full uh, stadium for our game overseas in the U.S., I think that's a great narrative and a great talking point. I'd love to know more about uh, how things turn out with the combine uh, that was taking place over there. Um, I'd love to see the potential for men and women to come into the NRL and the NRLW. Uh, or for that matter, Queensland Cup and uh, New South Wales. Um, there's a lot of growth opportunity. And we have to remember, traditionally coming from Australia and many Commonwealth nations, the assumption is in order to be into a game as a viewer, as a fan, we have to have some contact with the game, meaning to have played it or have a sibling or relative to have played it. Yep. That's not the case in the U.S. We really... Uh, so few people actually play American football, but um, we still love watching the NFL. Mm. And I'd love to see that sort of phenomenon take over where we can get people enough touches to the game where they're not necessarily playing, though that would be amazing. And I really like to see more Americans playing the game because uh, I do believe that's in the best interest for the code as a whole. But let's remember that we're talking culturally about a group of people who don't share the same, here we go cultural paradigm how's how about that um <laughs> as what we have over here um in that we have to play in order to be a fan and to be engaged and have interest as a viewer do you have any numbers on that because i've always been of the belief that if so my sports are i played cricket and rugby league and now my viewing habits participation habits uh, participation habits of my children are impacted by what i what I, and my wife was tennis uh, and she loved soccer so we're, we're impacted by that but you're saying that that's not necessarily the case. Is there any sort of hard data on that, Spencer? Because that would be because a lot of people say to me, "Why the U.S.? Why couldn't we go elsewhere?" But that could be another reason to say, "Well, this is this is a, a reason to access the U.S. market." Absolutely, uh, it's definitely like I said. Something what you described is very normal mm. here in Australia, New Zealand, uh, the U.K., many countries. However, that's just not the case in the U.S. You have to remember we have a very different, uh, different sports evolution as well. Most of our sports came out of the universities and the institutions to the extent that intercollegiate football uh, started in 1869, wow. albeit that was a soccer match, the year that they banned catching the ball. Uh, that's how long ago it was. Soccer used to catch the ball. Um, 
with the first gridiron game or what became gridiron in 1874 with Harvard against McGill, which is up in uh, Montreal in Canada. They came down to Harvard. So most of our allegiance and most of our connection to sports comes through association, through universities historically, and even now. The NCAA for football is just as large as the NFL. It just has many more teams. Yep. But when you go to an NCAA football game, you have to remember why the crowds are so much longer, uh, not just, sorry, larger there. You have a fan base that's created of very connected groups. You have your students, your alumni, your faculty, mm. your staff, your local neighborhood for many of these universities. I can say at USC, when I was there for undergraduate, LA did not have an NFL team. We were LA's team. Yeah. Uh, this is back when Pete Carroll was coaching, Snoop Dogg was there, everybody <laughs> was showing up. Um, so the idea that you have to play it in order to be connected to it just is not part of it because we have a different social interaction with these codes. Mm. And But for the Green Bay Packers, which is owned by the fans, uh, quite literally with shares, although you don't make money selling them, it's quite literally just for the purposes of voting, right? Mm. No season tickets. Everybody else, all the other teams are owned by billionaires. So you're looking at a very different culture that appreciates sports for its own merit. And one of the big questions when I was looking at having – a rugby league team playing in Super League uh, years ago was I was asked, well, how are you going to develop talent and how are you going to bring American talent? This is back when Toronto was still in the competition. Yep. Uh, how, how are we going to bring that talent in? Because won't Americans not want to watch if Americans aren't playing? And my general gut feeling in the data says we really don't care. Uh, we, we believe in uh, representative democracy. Let's hire the best people to represent us and let's go out and win. We yep. want to be part of a great competition. We don't want to be the best in a small fishbowl. So give us the chance to bring in the best and we will be on board. Host of Lead from the Side podcast. You've appreciated his great insights um, a couple of weeks ago. No US commentator over there, Spencer. We couldn't get you across the line, buddy. So I know we did attempt that, but maybe next year, hey? You know what? There's four more years from what I understand. I would be more than happy to drop in for a few lines here and there. And uh, like I said, company station agnostic so <laughs> very good thank hey, you jimmy thank you spencer appreciate your time buddy hey you as well you take care